Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here with the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. With me today is my good friend, Jake Kale. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Larry. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Well, I am looking forward to interviewing you and learning all these things about you. I've known you for quite a few years already. And just seeing how God's used you in many aspects of leadership. I mean, you're an author. You're, you're a church apostolic leader. You've done pastoring, of course. And uh, and you minister in deliverance all over the place. Amazing in other areas. So let, let's go back to the early days. You know, what, where'd you go? up anyway i know you right now you're in lancaster county pennsylvania yes, correct yep. where'd you grow up tell us about that so yeah i grew up in pittsburgh pennsylvania wow the other side yeah. of the state other side of the state um one of seven kids in the middle i'm in the middle there third of seven kids all right great great family great parents you grew up in a christian home so my parents became believers when i was young i was about two years old okay my parents got radically saved Beautiful. and so from the time i can remember grew up going to church grew up yeah you know, in, a, in a good christian christian family sure so uh so what about your journey, your personal journey with faith and for journey with God? How, what did that look like? Yeah, How did that so, happen? So growing up in a Christian family, going to church, hearing the gospel, but really not until I was 19 did I have a true conversion experience. How did that happen? Well, so I was essentially living this double life without even knowing it. You know, I mean, I, I, I accepted the facts of the gospel. Okay, Jesus died for me, but just really... Just growing up, uh, just living the party lifestyle, right. drinking, sexual sin, just right. kind of pulled into that all the while thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian, it's fine. But then uh, I went to school at Johns Hopkins University and okay. got involved with the campus ministry. So I'm going to this campus ministry, going to Bible studies, going to church, yet living this completely worldly, oh, party, yeah. sinful lifestyle yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. So end of my freshman year, I got invited to go to this retreat. And that's where God really got a hold of my life. Just the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit started to come. It started to open my eyes to the sin I was living in. I wrestled with it for a couple of days and really came to this point of deep repentance where I just, I pulled one of the leaders aside. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. I started confessing my sin. I started just pouring out my heart. I was weeping in wow. repentance, just deep repentance. And I encountered the love of God just yeah. overwhelming me. And the chains of sin, uh, sexual sin, drunk, were literally broken from my mm. life in that moment. My life was never the same. So that really, really was my true beginning of a true walk sure. with God. And just you experienced me. the Lordship of Jesus Absolutely. Christ, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So talk about what happened. I mean, obviously now you're in all kinds of leadership and lead threshold church and on and on. But talk about any any areas where God may have gotten you or taught you about leadership during those, those days. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, growing up, I was involved in sports, and, and that I think I learned some valuable leadership lessons, just sure. you know, character development, perseverance, not yeah. quitting, those types of things. That's good. Um, and then in campus ministry, after that conversion experience, I began to lead small, you know, Bible studies, small groups, prayer meetings, sure. kind of like small-scale leadership. But my senior year, the guy that was overseeing the whole ministry on staff there, he actually went overseas for a year, and he left me in charge of the of the ministry. Wow! So my so my senior year in college, that was really my first like leadership experience of actually taking ownership of leading a group of people. 
And so, um, what did you learn during that time? Can you remember anything specific you learned during that time? Yeah, um, I would say I would say just learning to work with different you know types of people. Sure, learning to lead in a way that connects with people, and um, I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes just in my you know youth and just sure. naivety about leadership. But I think it was a, it was a great foundational experience to learn you know the the importance of just relationship with God first putting that in place first and not letting my identity be found in what's happening in the group or how I'm teaching or not teaching. And right. so it was a lot of just young level, you know, first level, like learning experiences, just getting my feet wet. With so leadership. back in those days, did you ever think or dream that you'd be doing what you're doing now? I mean, you know, you're, you're a traveling minister, you're going throughout the body of Christ ministering, you know, you lead a local church. Did you have that kind of aspiration? Not Honestly, I, I had a sense of a calling to ministry, but I really didn't know what it would look like. I okay. just, I had, no, I had no context for it. I mean, really, my only context was campus ministry. Right. I'd never seen church leadership or traveling ministry. I just had a sense I was called to ministry. Didn't know what it would look like. In fact, I, I used to be afraid of public speaking. Really? I was afraid of, you know, preaching, public speaking, and God just, you know, kind of changed and that. Now you do it all the time. Do it all the time. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, I wasn't sure what it would look like, but I knew there was a passion for ministry, a call to ministry, and it just really has unfolded over the last... It's been almost 20 years since that initial conversion. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, yeah. And then you look back in those early days, you know, serving in leadership with campus ministry. Looking back, do you think, ah, I wish I would have done some things different? Or you feel like, no, basically it all flowed and it all worked well? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were things that could have been done differently. I think I, I think I probably think more about my... my earlier days in church leadership, okay. you know, here yeah. and, 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 you know, in the last 10 to 15 yeah. years, more so than that time frame. Well, let's talk about that. How did you get involved in any kind of church leadership? How did that happen? Yeah. Um, so the Lord would just open doors. I got married after I graduated. Right. Uh, my wife, Anna, and we have three amazing kiddos. Yeah, and, they're great. Um, and God just kind of led us into different stages. We had different seasons. This where, is in Pittsburgh? Well, we actually lived in the South for our first seven years of marriage. So we lived in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana for two years. Wow. Because my wife went to LSU. Sure. And then we lived in Austin, Texas for five years. And so wow. during that first seven years, we kind of had short seasons, like two years here, two years there. I was a, I was a teacher at a Christian school. I okay. did some youth ministry. I did some, um, I was an associate pastor at a church and even did some like personal training in the middle okay. of all. It was a lot, a lot of short seasons where God was kind of teaching us different things and putting us in different environments. And, um, and then eventually at the end of 2012, he very clearly led us to move to Lancaster. We've been now this area for the last nine years. But um, yeah, so really it was like a step-by-step. God would open a door at a church um, just with favor and just yeah. open doors. And yeah. So it was really God leading the way. Uh, it was kind of a unique path. I didn't really go a traditional route of right. seminary, Bible school, denomination. Yeah. It was more just step-by-step as God would open doors. And you had different jobs in this whole process? Yeah. Um, I had different jobs because, again, like there would be short seasons. Um, right. you know, I, I was youth pastor for a couple of years and I actually was in the real estate world for a couple Were of years. Really? Tried being a personal I mean so I mean if you were to look at my resume it looks like man this guy doesn't know what he wants to do or be but really it was just you know we were just following God's leading every step of the way. And when we when we moved to Lancaster we really had a sense this was going to be more of a longer term sure. place to plant and root and really see fulfillment after that seven years of more just kind of wandering and training. and Yeah. So yeah. how did you get to Lancaster? What's the connection? So my wife's family does live in Lancaster. Okay. And so we would we would visit once a year. We'd come for Christmas. You know, we'd come. And so I, I was somewhat familiar with the area, but we didn't really have any ministry connections or relationships here. 
at the um, during 2012, we knew God was transitioning something. My wife was pregnant with our second child, and we had a two-year-old son. And our, our heart was for my wife to be able to step down from working. She was working, so we were juggling. I was part-time sure. associate pastor. I was watching our son a couple of days a week. She'd go to the office. We were just juggling it all. Right. And we just decided, you know, by the end of 2012, she's going to stop working completely, just be able to pour into the kids and your mother. That's what we both wanted. Yeah. So we knew something had to shift. And to make a long story short, I was actually offered a position at a church in Houston. Wow. I had a pastor reach out to me out of nowhere. He got my name from a from a, a mentor of mine. And he said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm retiring, and I, I'm looking to bring somebody on and raise them up to be the next pastor. Wow. I thought, wow, this must be God. You know, we, sure. we pursued it. We went through this process for a couple months. And the whole time we're going through this process, I keep seeing the number 717 everywhere. Really? I, I've seen the number 717. The area code the area of this area. area. of Lancaster County. And every time I saw it, I would think Lancaster. And, <laughs> and at first I'm ignoring it because I don't want to over-spiritualize everything. Sure. I mean, I know God can speak through numbers. He's used numbers a couple sure. times in my life. But I didn't want to over-spiritualize it or assume anything. But I kept seeing 717 so many times. Eventually I called my wife. I was driving home and I saw it twice. I was driving home from visiting this church. Yeah, yeah. And I called my wife. I said, Anna, I'm not sure, but I think we might need to pray about Lancaster. I have no idea why. I told her about So we started praying about Lancaster. Still going through this process. Everything on paper looked perfect. Full-time job, on full benefits, way to on Houston. my way to leadership, on my way to being you know, hired into this role. We, we get to the end of the process. The pastor offers me the position. It's October, mid-October 2012, and my wife's due in January yes. with our baby, our yeah. second baby. We have to make a decision. So I asked the pastor for a week to pray, and we left that meeting driving home, and my wife and I both knew this was not it. Really? We just did not have peace about it. We just, something didn't feel like it was right, and we we had no idea what else there could be, but we fasted, prayed, and really felt the Lord was speaking to us to decline the role and move to Lancaster. That's an amazing And story. the word he spoke to me is there's people waiting on the other side of your obedience. That was the, that that was was the, the word, word you had from God. That was the word from God. There's people waiting on the other side of your obedience. So who were those people so, and how did that work? So, so, we, um, so I remember a couple of days later after I would called the pastor and said, hey, you know, we, we don't feel like this is where we're supposed to take this role. Thanks so much for everything. But, and um, so, we, so we made the decision. We had to sell a house. We had to sell all of our stuff, our car. I mean, my wife's pregnant and almost yeah. ready to. So... The weight of the decision really hit me a couple of days later in prayer, and um, but I felt like God gave me this vision of of crossing the Jordan. Like this is going to be as you make this step, the Jordan is going to open up, and this is going to be a place of fulfillment, a promised wow. land. So we actually moved. Our move date was twelve, twelve, twelve. Wow! Speaking of numbers, that just happened to be the day our house sold. That was yeah. the closing date yeah. of the house. We flew in. Um, my wife was thirty six weeks pregnant. That was the last week they let you fly. We flew in, and then we just, for the next couple months, just was getting a feel for the area, was yeah. connected with different regional leaders, had no idea what God had in store, had no... I just kind of laid it all out there and say, God, if it's business, if it's ministry, if it's sure. church, if it's traveling. Um, and God began to open up doors to, to preach. Mm-hmm. As I would meet different leaders, they would invite me to speak at a retreat or speak at sure. their, their church really, really quickly, which I was surprised by. So I was kind of assuming, oh, maybe God's going to launch this itinerant ministry. I wasn't thinking about then going on staff at a church. Sure. In the meantime, we visited Threshold Church. Just right. we're, finding, we're finding a home church for our mm-hmm. family to base. We loved it. We fell in love immediately. We knew this was our tribe. This is where we're supposed to connect. And had no idea they were looking to bring on a teaching pastor. Uh-huh. So over the course of time, as I got more involved, they had me as a guest speaker. And then eventually they offered me a role to come on staff. 
with also some flexibility to still do some outside ministry. And then um, several years later, they installed me as a as as, as the Beautiful. lead pastor. So yeah, it's been. It's an incredible journey. To see well, I appreciate work. you sharing the journey. I meet so many people who think that God speaks, it's all clear, there's no problem, you hear clearly from the beginning, you know. <laughs> and, but you know, that's not the way it was even in the Bible with Paul the Apostle. He that's didn't right. know, is it Macedonia, is it, you know, we're, we're Asia, where is it God speaking, we hear in part. And I think one translation says he was just kind of grappling to hear the voice of the Lord, you know, the journey of God. Yes. And that's the way it is sometimes for us. Now, you mentioned mentors one time when you were talking yeah. here. Yeah. Did you, did you have any key mentors in your life? as you look back that helped you walk through some of this that's obviously yes. a key for leadership absolutely absolutely yeah I've had, I've had different mentors in different seasons I mean when I was in college the the guy who had helped lead me to the Lord and was a staff you know campus minister yeah. he, had, he walked with me for a season and then I uh, ha- had another mentor I met when we moved to Texas and he okay. walked very very closely he was very involved within that whole transition process as okay. I mentioned moving to Lancaster he was the sounding board a voice sure um, he had a lot of ministry experience and different roles. Someone and, who didn't have an agenda for your life, exactly, right? Exactly but, right. Except to help you. Exactly And that's right. really key for me to have that kind of a mentor. Exactly life, right, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. There was actually another pastor um, in Houston. He was the one that gave my name to this other pastor, but um, he, he was also a, a, like a, like a father figure in my right. life and right. um, helped just speak into things. And so, yeah, different seasons, God has used yeah. different, different people to, just to be those voices, those sounding boards. It's so, okay. so key. So today you are the, the lead, you lead the team at Threshold Church, the apostolic yes. leader at Threshold Church. You, of course, you're in eight books. Some of those books have to do with deliverance. We'll talk a bit more about that uh, uh, on this podcast. And even I might get you back for another one because there's so much we could talk about there. Uh, and you're now ministering the body of Christ, jkale.com. That's anybody you want to know more about, Jake, J-A-K-E-K-A-I-L, jkale.com. And again, all this on the show notes, uh, Threshold Church, all everything in your books, everything we'll put on the show notes so people can know where, where to get that. So you're here in Lancaster County, and you then have become the senior leader of this church, but doors seem to be opening for you, a lot of doors opening for you for to minister to the body of Christ. And a lot of that seems to focus on deliverance. Mm-hmm. Now talk to me about how that ever started. How did that happen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know many people who have a main focus on deliverance. And I thank mm-hmm. God for you because it's so needed in the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, the, the church I grew up in was not charismatic, didn't believe in deliverance or okay. gifts of the spirit. So I had no grid for it in my upbringing. But when I encountered God at 19, I was so radically and instantly set free. I had a passion to see other believers walking in freedom, but I knew yeah. nothing about deliverance. I didn't know how they sure. even connected because, you know, I, I, I read the stories in the Gospels. You see right. Jesus casting out demons. I had no idea how is that relevant to my life? Right. How is that relevant to everyday believers? But actually, God first called me to deliverance uh, through a prophetic dream. I had, a, I had a vivid dream. I was at an all-you-can-eat buffet, oddly enough. <laughs> and I go up to get some more food, and I see this guy out of the corner of my eye, and he has a very dark appearance, this countenance that looks evil. And he, he starts walking toward my, my table, yeah. and I stand up, and I, I look at him. I instantly knew he had a demon. Yeah. I felt this boldness, this power of God well up out of my belly. I commanded the demon to come out. He gets delivered. He's filled wow. with joy, and then I wake up from this dream. Mm. I'm like... What in the world? I knew it was from God, but I, I didn't know what this meant or why God was giving me this dream. I had a series of dreams like that. And you had not had a ministry of deliverance I'd never, before that at all? Nope. had never cast out a demon, knew nothing about it. And I, I mean, I was hungry for truth. I was pursuing the Lord. I was devouring scripture. I was you know, wanting to know more about the Holy Spirit. I think I had probably been baptized in the Holy Spirit shortly before that point. Sure. Um, but 
then I came across some teaching. I came across some resources, uh, Derek Prince's books and, yeah, yeah. and some others that just wrote some very biblical, right. practical teaching mm-hmm. on deliverance that really just equipped me. It gave me a new right. paradigm and understanding. And shortly after that, I came across situations where God would kind of thrust me into it, where these people would ask for help and they would tell me their story. And I'm like, oh, now I have a new understanding. I'd begin to pray for them and demonic manifestations get set free. So now it's been been almost 16 years consistently ministering in deliverance. Really? Yeah. Really? So you wrote the book, Setting Captives Free. I mean, I was honored to be one of the people who endorsed this book. Great book. And so why did you write this book? Well, I have a passion to write because I've learned so much from reading. So, yeah. like I said, you know, I Derek you. Prince's books, other books, so many books you. I've read that God has used to equip me. And so I write in order to teach. I write in order to bring clarity. And I write in order to equip. And so I really, yeah, I see yeah. the books as equipping tools. Setting Captives Free is really a book that lays a foundation for deliverance biblically, removes some of the misunderstandings yeah, and fear and confusion. Yeah, yeah. But also it's meant to lead people into an encounter with God. There's prayers for deliverance throughout the book where yeah. people can pray through and receive right. for themselves or pray for others. Yeah, so yeah, I really book. I really write in order to teach and equip and impart to others. Yeah, and yeah. There's obviously this book you can get on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Sure. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's just a, a great book. Now the question that believers always ask is, can a Christian have a demon? That's, right. the, that's the big question. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> I usually say they can have anything they want. You know? <laughs> How do you respond to yeah. that? <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the question that gets me in trouble. That's the question that gets me the emails. And, you know, the, the, it's, it's controversial. I think it boils down to a misunderstanding of what it means to have a demon. Yeah, talk to uh, us about so, that. Yeah, so you know, um, Christians, you know, yes, can have, have evil spirits. It doesn't mean they're possessed by evil spirits. I think, that's yeah. the, I think it's confusion. People think if a person has a demon, they're possessed which means they're owned by a demon. A Christian right. cannot be owned right. by right. a demon. Um, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But even in the Old Testament, some idols were brought into God's temple. Right. Right. So right. idols don't belong in God's temple. There's no That's agreement right. between the two. Yet some of the kings, you know, Manasseh, he set up these false gods. They worship demons in God's temple. So just because it shouldn't be there doesn't mean it can't be there. And so when a believer needs deliverance, the way I see it is it's just part of their sanctification process, part of their transformation process. God redeems us. That means he purchases us. Then he walks us through a process of cleansing, sanctification, Mm -hmm. transformation, restoring, and deliverance can be part of that journey. So it doesn't mean you're an evil person. It doesn't mean you're possessed by a demon. But it's like if there's a house, there might be three or four rooms in the house that need to be swept out because of past things that have happened or because of past sins, past traumas, past abuses. They've opened a door. Yeah. So, yes, believers can definitely need deliverance. That's, need, that's actually what deliverance is actually what it's for. Yeah, deliverance Exactly. Is for yeah. You know, I'm going to talk to ask you more questions about, uh, you know, deliverance and how that works practically and how we all should be involved in deliverance, receiving deliverance, uh, looking in the mirror, casting out demons, whatever, whatever it takes. But let me, you have another book here that just came out recently. It's called How to Minister Deliverance, a training manual. Yeah. That looks awesome. And I, this is the first I've seen that. Equipping for Casting Out Demons and Setting Captives Free, J. Yes. Kale. And so I'm going to ask you some questions about both of these books when I, when I get you back. I'm going to talk Sounds a little good. bit more today about leadership. Now, Perfect. you've been in leadership all these years now. How many years have you been in leadership? Um, well, if I go back to my college days, yeah, it's been about... Uh, about 19 years, 19, 18, years. 19 years. 18, yeah. 19 years. Yeah. Okay. Now, what are some things you do different today? <laughs> yeah. That you know some things today that you didn't know back then. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think sometimes our greatest strengths can be our greatest weaknesses true. if they're not tempered. And Very so, true. you know, one of the things I, I tend to have a, be a person of strong convictions. Yeah. And so sometimes yeah. when you're leading people, 
you can come across a certain way because you have such a strong conviction. It can almost yeah. have a way of shutting people down or them, right. you know. And so I think learning how to lead in a team setting, Very good. learning how to cooperate and bring unity. And so sometimes I think I made mistakes in the past of just maybe leading in, in a strong way or, or even maybe just not realizing it coming across stronger than I intended to. And also, I tend to be an internal processor. Okay. So I can sometimes make the mistake of I do a lot of internal processing, and by the time I come to the table, I've already right. processed this angle, that angle, this and that, and I've kind of almost come to these conclusions without bringing along the other there people. There you go. That's good. And so I think in the past I'd made mistakes like that where I didn't necessarily bring the others along on the team because I'd done so much processing personally. Yes. Um, and so I'm sure I'm sure there's other things. Those are things that just come to my mind. Sure. I, Have you found that, you know, we, our tendency often is we try to get people on a team like us and that really we don't need more people like us. We need people who are different than we are. Correct. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. I think it's yeah, it's it's obviously critical to have a baseline of yes. values, vision That's and right. values, Definitely. right? Definitely. Right? Those core values are, are similar. Definitely. But unity with diversity, right? I think about you know mm. the, the church at Antioch. You know, it names these different leaders, five of them, and different political and backgrounds, different. Fivefold ministry gives prophets, yeah, teachers, gotcha, differences. Gotcha. So yeah, I think it's it, it is important, uh, which which means you have to learn how to understand each other and work mm -hmm. through things relationally, and you know it, you you have to go slower when you lead the team. That is true, slower but better. Exactly, you make better decisions for the long haul. Yep. I mean, I'm a lot like you. When I was a young leader, I internal process all the same deal. You kind of come up with the idea. This is what God's saying. You prayed, heard from God. You know, quote unquote. <laughs> You know, we all hear in part. Yeah, we exactly. all hear in part, Jakey. Exactly. We all know that, and we prophesy in part. We, and God somehow withholds some things from us, so we I think do bring our team with us. So, if a younger leader came to you and said, "Jake, I'm called to leadership. I'm called to kingdom leadership of some kind, whether it's in church or ministry, whatever. Uh, how do I stay healthy? What mm. do I do to stay healthy as a leader?" What oh, would you yeah. tell them? Great question, Larry. Um, so, one of the things I teach on on leadership, one of the things I live by in leadership is I. I it's three eyes, so it makes it okay. simple. Okay. Uh, one is intimacy with God. So yes. the first key, all true ministry and all true leadership flows out Amen. of relationship. Amen. And so if we disconnect our leadership journey from our relationship with God, we can really get on a wrong path yeah. because our gifts can still operate. But if, we, if we're not walking in that place of relationship, and that, and that allows us to be secure so as a son. So uh, and so yeah. we find our identity first yeah. in intimacy with God. Yeah. The second one is identity. Uh, not only our, our our general identity as like a son, uh, but also some of our specific calling identities. What, what has God gifted you with? What has God yeah. put inside of you? Because we're going to function in how God made us. Yeah. You know, we're going to lead from who we are. So knowing, getting clarity on our identity, leading from that place, um, I think will help you stay healthy. And then the third eye is integrity. Good. And, you know, Very in, good. In, integrity is being a whole person. It's it's being being real. It's it's so character. Good. It's it's living the life. It's living. It's 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 leading by example. It's loving your family. It's being the same person mm. in private as you are in public. Mm. And just I think those are the foundations: intimacy, so identity, integrity. So good. And then anything more than that, like there's yeah, there's leadership principles you can learn, communication, sure. lots of leadership lessons you can learn. But if they're not built on that foundation, then you can end up getting off track because you might have skills. I think it says in the Psalms it said that David led them. 
uh, with skillful hands yeah, and integrity of heart. Of heart, exactly. Right? So there's it. external skills, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but then there's internal. Yeah. And, and the, in, yeah. So we, the internal is first. Exactly. And what happens in our heart is going to bleed out into our environment. Yeah, that's right? so good. And so I think so guarding our hearts, walking with you mm-hmm. know, intimacy with God, relationship first, mm-hmm. uh, walking in integrity, growing in character, and just being, being committed to growth right. is so key because... Yeah. None of us arrived. And, no, I don't care how and, we get. As long as we're living, yeah. we can grow. There's something we can learn. Yeah. yeah. So so I think those are some things I would impart to. That's good. Have you written those three eyes in any of your books? Or maybe a future book? I think a future book. <laughs> I think there is some leadership books that will probably come down the road. Sure. I think I've, I, I, I might have written some of that on a blog yeah. article on my sure. website. Probably. Now, tell, you know, I've, I've mentioned already, Setting Captives Free, your one book that's great, the one I love and read, and then the new one I haven't read yet, How to Minister Deliverance. You've written, I think, maybe eight books total. What were the focuses of some of your other books that you've written? Yeah, so there's a few of them are deliverance-related. Okay. Um, and then there was one called, uh, actually called Discovering Your Destiny. Okay, And good. it's actually about, you know, how do you discern God's calling on your life? Good. How do you hear his voice for that? Different ways God yeah. works. So that's that's one. Um, I have a book uh, called Abiding in the Vine. It's more of like a devotional. It's like sure. 40, 40 short sure. excerpts on different themes, yeah. different topics. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, and then a really interesting one called Hypocrisy Exposed. Oh. I, I never thought I would write a book on hypocrisy, actually. Wow. And um, this, is a, this is a real download God gave me three or four years ago in the midst of navigating some very challenging leadership situations yes. where there was some there was some deception going on, there was some manipulation yeah, and sure. um, some stuff going on behind the scenes. I was crying out for wisdom. God, give me wisdom, give me insight. And one morning in prayer, the Holy Spirit just dropped mm. this insight into the topic of hypocrisy, what it actually means, wow, what it doesn't mean. Wow. And so I began typing some notes out of what I was getting, and eventually that became an outline for a book on that topic. Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you. I love your heart. Love what you blog. I know you have a real heart to see freedom from anyone who's been abused in any mm-hmm. way. Talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit. I know that's really a conviction you carry. Yes, strong conviction, so yes. needed in the body of Christ. Yes, yes. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. So, well, in ministering deliverance for so many years, one of the things I find is that when people have been abused, whether it's physically, whether it's yeah. verbally, sexually, spiritually, with different ways sure. that abuse happens, yeah. it often opens a door for demonic oppression okay. to come. And so we see heal, part of the healing journey is, is deliverance. So I've been aware of abuse like that for many years, but in the, probably the last four or five years, I had more of an eye-opening along the lines of what I was sharing with the hypocrisy exposed. I had a real yeah. eye-opening experience of the really the deeper nature of how abuse works um, it's not just the actions of abuse that happen. Right. It's the mindset, right. the mindset of entitlement, control, power sure, over people. Sure. It's the cycles of abuse that happen. It's the, the lying, the deception, the manipulation, the living a double life that often people that right. that operate in abuse will do. They'll they'll portray one thing publicly and then behind closed doors be treating maybe their spouse or other you know children whatever. Horrible, you know it's, yeah. it's it's and so um, what I've found is that often in the church we've been a little bit naive to mm-hmm. the nature of abuse. And not really understanding these dynamics, and so we don't necessarily address it in a healthy way, and many people end up being reabused, or things get swept under the rug, and we just well, we just want to cover it, or we just mm-hmm. want to, um, or we kind of get duped by you know maybe if a person has been predatory or sure. abusive, we kind of just well you know they they, they said they're sorry, and they right. we kind of just you know we kind of get duped by false repentance. Right. So right. it's it's become a it's become a passion of mine to really see the church mm. see reformation in this area yes. of how do we how do we handle this in a loving way, but also in a way that where there's truth and justice and yes. um, and we really 
care for well the people that yeah. have been abused. Um, it's like the man on the side of the road in the Good Samaritan. Right, right. right you know, the right, priest walked right. by. You know, the Levite walked by. Yeah. I think we've done that sometimes in the church because we haven't known, we haven't seen, we haven't understood the dynamics, and we've been so focused on moving forward. And, and so then there's these people in our midst that are mm. dying on the side of the road that we've mm. just walked walked past. So yeah. As I said, I want to have you back. We're going to really dig into the whole deliverance side, and our leaders need to understand this and need to be delivered personally, help other people walk through deliverance. We're going to walk through that. Uh, I want to ask you one more question here today mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast today, and that is any other leadership truths, realities that you've learned, you say, man, I want to share this shit about leadership, something else I've learned about leadership over these 18 years yeah. in Christian leadership. You've just begun, but you've learned a ton already mm-hmm. at helping the body of Christ. Yeah, so, I mean, I think leadership has so many nuances to it. Does. it. And I think there's such a need for a healthy balance, right? There's it's good. There is there's the reality of leadership authority, but then that's coupled with servanthood, responsibility, right. accountability, right? Right. There's There's... Um, the balance between, you know, you don't want to be a passive leader, but you don't want to be a controlling leader, right? right? So you want to be a proactive leader. So walking in some of these balances, um, but one of the illustrations I'll, I'll use for leadership is imagine if you're taking a road trip, right? And if you're mm-hmm. by yourself, you can just go at your own pace. Good. You can stop when you want to stop. You can decide to go to this restaurant or that restaurant. You could you know, pull in for sure. this gas. Any, but now, but now, imagine you're you're taking a road trip and you have three cars that are following you right. that are depending on you. And obviously, not with GPSs, but just right, you know, with right. the analogy. Sure. You know, I would drive differently. Right. right. I would drive differently if I knew three cars were depending on me to to yeah. get where they're going. Right. If I if I came to a yellow light, if I'm by myself, I'm going to try to push through that yellow light. <laughs> right. If I got three cars. Waiting behind yeah. me, I'm going to slow down. That's good. Right? There's, there, there needs to be more communication. I'm not just going to stop anytime I want. I'm going to call and say, hey, guys, what do you think about getting lunch? At, right? So it just, it, it's a helpful illustration of how I would drive differently. That's what leadership is. You can even take it's, it to another level. If there's somebody else in the car, if your wife right. Anna's in the car, your yep. kids are in the car, yep. it's different. Or if I'm in the car with you, it's yep. going to be different. That's right. I may need to say, hey, can we stop up here at a restaurant? You yep. say, I don't know about this, but yep. we got to work it out together. Yep. So there's certain things that I'm learning to grow in because I desire to be a, a good leader. Good. And so, for instance, years ago, I, w- I, I would have not have seen myself as a very organized person. Yeah. And But over time, I'm growing in that. I'm still not super administrative. My wife's super administrative. But because I want to lead well, right. I want to, so I want to communicate clearly. I want to organize well because yeah. other people are depending on yeah. that. And sometimes that it comes because we have to learn that, and sometimes we learn some of it, but we're not really administrative. We have somebody else that's in our exactly, lives who really helps exactly us right. with that, and we're a team. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Jake Kale, it's so good having you with me today. Again, Setting Captives Free, a great book. I read it cover to cover by Jake Kale and his brand new book, How to Minister Deliverance. And again, jkale.com has got all information about you. People want to connect with you in any way. You want to connect with your ministry. Whenever you come and speak or whatever, that's all on the show notes. But Jake, I want to have you back. In fact, next week. I want to have you back on our podcast next week. And we're going to talk about Setting Captives Free, the details of that, how to minister deliverance. I've got a lot of questions for you about, about that. Sounds we'll have you back for that. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Thanks a lot, for joining Larry. me today. It's been great. Thanks. All right. God bless you, everybody. So glad you joined the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast today. We learned these little things about leadership that make a massive difference in our lives when we apply them. And because God is good and he's called you to be an amazing leader. So God bless you and look forward to having you back real soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, 
small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.